One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Last time on The Crisis, the union and the family members of the union leaders sued Drummond in Alabama accusing them of paying the paramilitaries to kill Victor, Valmore, and Gustavo. Everyone you know, involved has to understand that we're taking on some very dangerous and powerful forces here. Pero se encontró también con un, con un monstruo que, que, que grande. They lost their case. But the story doesn't end there. We'll get back to Colombia in the next episode. Right now, we're going to spend the episode in the U.S., in Birmingham, Alabama, Drummond's hometown, which also happens to be the hometown of the senior producer for the series, Ashley Cleek. I've been aware of Drummond Company my whole life. I I knew that they had power. I think I vaguely knew that their money came from coal. And then a couple of years ago, my cousin told me this rumor that Drummond had once been accused of being involved in some murders in Colombia. At the time, Drummond was in the news a lot because one of their executives had been accused of being part of a different crime in Alabama, of funneling company money to a local politician. Oliver Robinson, former legislator, former UAB and NBA basketball star, now a contrite but convicted felon. So as we were reporting this story about the murders of Victor and Valmore and Gustavo Soler, I kept thinking back about this other case because it seemed like another part of the story that we're trying to tell about fossil fuel companies and the people whose lives are affected by them. I did what I did, so it was time to move on. I understand that. How are you feeling now about what happened to the community with the EPA? Oh, I mean, that's the best thing that could have happened to them because they wouldn't have gotten that one red cent, and they would have been sitting over there in the most toxic place they could be. New at 6, a remorseful former state senator will serve prison time for selling out his office. Oliver Robinson was an NBA star and then a state senator, And he pled guilty to taking a bribe from an executive who worked for Drummond and the company's lawyer. I guess what was your impetus for kind of for cooperating with the with with the FBI? I mean, I I did what I said I did. I mean, I mean, it ain't like I I didn't do it. You know, just like I said, I sold out. I sold out my people, and with the way I sold out is that. I took money to do something. I should have done it for nothing. I should have done it as a politician. But once okay. I took money, that was it. That was it. A federal judge sentenced Oliver Robinson to 33 months of prison time today. Prosecutors claim Robinson was paid to help keep the EPA from expanding pollution cleanup in North Birmingham. In 2014, an executive at Drummond, 
with the help of their law firm, paid Oliver Robinson around $360,000 to use his influence and his power in Birmingham to help the company stop the EPA from investigating pollution. Prosecutors argue that Drummond was worried that decontamination could cost them tens of millions of dollars. What, as, I guess there's a lot of things that we don't understand. I mean, what you it? have to find that out for somebody else, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to talk about it because I I, I'm not even looking back at Drummond or, or, or the court system or anybody else. Nothing. I'm Sarah Quevedo. And I'm Ashley Cleek. This is The Crisis, Chapter 4, Hung Out to Dry. We're in Alabama, where Drummond is from. We're in this little city called Tarrant. It's right outside of Birmingham. It's a small town, and at night there's not much going on. There's no traffic. There's no noise. It's quiet enough that you can hear the cicadas. And every so often, this siren goes off. It goes, pew, pew, pew. It's from ABC Coke, one of the last factories that Drummond owns in the state. It makes a superheated coal called coke. Coke is valuable because it's used to make steel, which is in all kinds of stuff. Cars, buildings, infrastructure. On the street, there's this, like, chemical burning smell. It's like this tingle in your nose. At night, you can see the flame shooting up from the smokestack. And the flame is so powerful that you can actually hear it from the street. During the day, the plant is quieter. We're in Tarrant to meet Gabriel. Gabriel, Jesus met us Francis, but that's way too long, so you can just call me Gabe. It's a hot August day, humid outside, and Gabriel is waiting for us, and he's holding this umbrella with all these stars on it. Is it, it. Like the, is it the Milky Way? Yes, it's the Milky Way galaxy. I use it because uh, I'm albino. And otherwise I'd die. And so on Facebook, Gabe describes himself as your friendly neighborhood Hispanic albino. Gabe looks like he's about to go to a conference, like he's wearing a button-down shirt and khaki pants. This is um, actually my uh, my daily attire. Just Just because I love wearing business casual, it makes me feel confident, you know? There are a lot of government officials and high-up executives who are connected to this story. Gabe isn't one of them. But like everyone who lives in Tarrant, he's been affected by what happened. Gabe is from Tarrant. He was born and raised here. And Tarrant is small, like 
The downtown is this street of stately-looking buildings, but almost all of them are empty. It just doesn't look anything like what it used to be. It's, um, it's kind of jarring. There's one major grocery store in town, and the only bus comes hourly, if at all. Gabe's legally blind, so he can't drive. So getting around is especially tough. It, it, it's, a whole, it's a whole operation because uh, there aren't that many buses that go down here. And when they do, they're inconsistent. When Gabe graduates from high school, he basically decides that he is never going to come back to Tarrant. But then the pandemic happened, and like a lot of young people, he had to move back in with his parents. So we're sitting on the front porch of Gabe's parents' house. If you look that way, you can st- actually still see the ABC Coke plant smokestack. Like a mile away. Again, it doesn't seem to be on right now, but like sometimes like at night, you can see just a, fi- a flame in the back, you know, in the background. And when I was a kid, I was like, that looks so cool. I don't know what that is, but that looks really cool. You know, like this really awesome fire. Someone actually described this flame to us like the eye of Mordor overlooking the city. But as I grew older, I kind of just stopped going outside because I didn't want to put myself at risk of uh, potentially getting respiratory issues. His sister has asthma, and Gabe says that his mom, who's from Venezuela, developed chronic bronchitis after they moved to Tarrant. It was scary, you know. She's coughing a lot, and she has, uh, uh, you know, she's coughing, she's sneezing, she has these respiratory issues, and... Gabe uh, grows up in the shadow of this coke plant. And then one summer, when he's 16, he gets invited to participate in this summer camp with a bunch of kids from across the state, and... Part of this camp is they have to put together a skit about a social issue. Coincidentally enough, my particular social issue was environmental pollution. <laughs> and the people who I was working on the project were from, like, Mountain Brook or Vestavia. Mountain Brook is this almost entirely white suburb. I grew up there. And they were like, I don't know anything about this. And I was like, what do you mean? You, you, don't, you don't have anything like this? I won't lie, at first I felt resentful. I've just never, never, you know, known, like, just a couple of miles away from Tarrant, there's this place that's, um, you know, free pollution, has tons of shops, has tons of, uh, you know, like, nice places to go to, restaurants and, and everything. I was just like, whoa, dude, we live in completely different worlds. The city was designed that way. Birmingham, metropolis of Alabama, population more than a quarter million, is called the Industrial City Beautiful. Approached from the south, it bursts upon the traveler in surprising glory, nestled among lofty mountains. Birmingham was founded right after the Civil War, and from the beginning, it was segregated. There's this map from the 1930s drawn by a federal loan agency, and it assigned grades to neighborhoods in terms of how good of an investment they were, how risky it was for banks to give mortgages. These maps are a visual representation of what becomes redlining. The map shows Birmingham divided into blocks, and each block is color-coded. There are red areas that are deemed hazardous. They're next to heavy industry, so steel mills, factories, coke plants. And so, the federal agency writes that these neighborhoods experience, quote, obnoxious odors, we're pretty sure they mean noxious, smoke and dirt from industrial plants. These are neighborhoods that are generally Black and low-income. A big part of Tarrant, where Gabe lives is red. And then there are the green zones, 
These are almost all-white neighborhoods that are right over the mountain. The agency considers them good investments. They're described as being well-landscaped and protected by the mountain from the industrial odors and noises of the city. These are neighborhoods like Mountain Brook. A lot of white folks just went over there, and they kind of closed themselves off, which is why they're mostly made up of gated communities. Gabe comes back from camp. I think it was around that year that I kind of became more self-aware of what was going on around my city. He starts reading the local paper, and he sees all these stories about an unfolding corruption case involving the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, a politician named Oliver Robinson, an executive at Drummond, and the Coke plant down the street from his house. Gabe learns that three years earlier, in 2014, the EPA wanted to test the soil around Tarrant. Uh, for uh, high levels of pollution. Specifically for arsenic, lead, and something called PAHs, which are basically like leftover from burning oil and coal and can cause kidney and liver damage. The neighborhood next to Tarrant had already been labeled as a Superfund site. A Superfund site is a place that's so contaminated with toxic waste that the federal government forces the polluter to remedy the problem. So that could mean buying up homes. It could mean paying to remove and replace the soil in people's yards. But either way, it's a gigantic undertaking and it can cost millions of dollars. There are over 1,300 Superfund sites across the U.S. In some places, like the area around Birmingham, the map of neighborhoods affected by Superfund sites and the redlining maps from the 1930s are closely aligned. And now, in 2014, the neighboring Superfund site could possibly expand to include Tarrant, where Gabe lives. And uh, that would also mean that the federal government would come in and clean up the site. One of the places in Tarrant that the EPA wants to run tests is Gabe's old elementary school. And so Gabe reads that the superintendent initially agreed that the EPA could test the soil for pollution. But then, a little over a month later, the superintendent sent another letter, rescinding permission to test the soil at Tarrant schools. And I just felt like I've been lied to. I felt like the people in power who are supposed to protect us and ensure that we as citizens are safe from... uh, safe from being harmed by these pollutants. We're not. They weren't doing their jobs. Gabe had noticed that these yard signs had been popping up around town that said Get Smart Tarrant. And Get Smart Tarrant is a campaign to get residents to push back against the EPA testing for pollution. And Gabe reads that that organization was tied to Drummond Company and their law firm. It kind of said to me, I don't, feel, I don't feel safe going outside. I feel like something else is going on here. What's going on after the break? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. I live in country. Walker County is one of the largest areas for coal in the state of Alabama, and that's where Drummond Company was actually founded. Anna Roberson grew up around Drummond in Jasper, about a half an hour from Birmingham. The company started there in the 1930s as a small family operation. By the 70s, when Gary Drummond took over, Drummond had become the largest coal mining company in the state and had just signed a $100 million contract to sell coal to Japan. I was about 10, 12, 13 at that time. And that's around the same time that the company bought the land across the street from Anna's family's house and turned it into an open-pit coal mine. It looked like a desert with no trees, you know, just a, Got them back to the a, a, a great big hole across the street in the earth to retrieve the coal. One of the little fun things I used to do after it was finished was I had friends over and we could go look for fossils. And I actually found several of ferns and all sorts of different things on rocks from where the earth had been, you know, basically uh, mined and blasted. So it's sort of a running joke. Worked all my life, did try to do well in high school, went to Birmingham Southern, went to law school, and what does my husband end up doing? <laughs> Taking me back into a sense to uh, work for a company in an industry that, uh, you know, I was trying, trying, to trying to get away from. When David came to you and said, okay, I've got a job offer, I'm going to go work for Drummond. What was your initial reaction? I said, uh, I don't really think you need to take that job. <laughs> and here we are. And yet it was a great it, it was a great job. It was a great job until uh, the FBI knocked on the door, right? Yeah. This is Anna's husband, David Roberson. Like Anna, David is from a rural part of the state. He's from a blue-collar family, and he worked in environmental regulation his whole career. So this offer from Drummond was the pinnacle. David says that he was actually personally recruited and interviewed by the president of the company, Gary Drummond. He said, I just know from your history that whatever you do, you'll do it right. And he said, um, he said, come here, let me show you something. So walked me around the corner and he said, this would be your office. And he said, uh, I hope you like it. What did that office look like? It was beautiful. You know, nice wood trim offices. They had plenty of money. Uh, you know, 
a glass of wall looking out a at beautiful wall. green trees with a waterfall and grass and landscaping. Unlike what you see across the road from my home in Jasper. <laughs> Anna says that in Jasper, Drummond Company had a bit of a reputation. So back in the 70s, there was a lot of money in coal. And executives at Drummond, including Gary Drummond, the president, and an executive at the state's biggest power company, were charged with paying half a million dollars for insider information about government contracts and bribing legislators with money, football tickets, and prostitutes to fix the price of coal in the state. And the trial dragged on for 11 weeks and then was suddenly dismissed. So obviously, Anna didn't like the idea of her husband going to work for Drummond, but the job was prestigious and the money was good. By this point, the Robersons had moved into a big house on the mountain. And if you're not familiar with Birmingham, Red Mountain is the first mountain in the chain of Appalachian Mountains. And so you have a beautiful view of the city from that area. It's just very picturesque, and all the buildings and the skylines below you. It was just just a magical thing. It meant a lot to us. David worked for Drummond for seven years. He was the vice president of government and regulatory affairs, which means that most of the work that he did was lobbying. So talking to politicians, staying on top of legislation, basically serving as like a bridge between Drummond and all the powerful people in the state who could change regulation and amend laws in the company's favor. I loved it. It was, I mean, a lot of my work was local with local politicians, you know, and just people like me, you know, they grew up the same way I did. Um, And they were all, I'd say 99% of them were just great to work with. David spent a lot of time in the state capitol, and over the years, he became friendly with this legislator, a former NBA player named Oliver Robinson. He's a very charismatic type person, is what I've Mm -hmm. been told. Always very well-dressed, very well-groomed. In 2013, the EPA sends a letter to Drummond that they found more pollution around the ABC Coke plant and that Drummond may be responsible. So Drummond hires a law firm, Balchin Bingham one of the biggest in the state. And the lawyers come up with a strategy. They need to find leaders in the Black community to persuade people living in the area to push back on the EPA's testing plans and convince them that having the EPA test their soil for chemicals might cause their neighborhood to be labeled toxic, and that would only lower property values even more. One of the leaders they reach out to is Oliver. And so we were looking for somebody that was familiar with the area to start with and may have contacts out there, that type thing. So David and this law firm, Balchin Bingham, pay Oliver to be the company's eyes and ears on the ground. Oliver will go to community meetings, talk to residents, and get them to sign letters against the EPA's testing plan. Oliver is the one that started that group that Gabe saw the signs for, Get Smart Tarrant. Oliver hired his daughter to run it. And they started sending out mailers and putting up yard signs to tell people, quote, not to be fooled and not to let the EPA test the soil in their yards. Uh, I myself never ask anybody not to have their soil tested because I think that's a stupid way to do things. David says his role was as a go-between between Balch and Bingham and Drummond. 
Drummond executives would later testify that Balch and Bingham had assured them that this plan was both ethical and legal. The arrangement was that Drummond paid the law firm with David signing the invoices, and the law firm paid Oliver. In return, Oliver provided access to black and brown communities. Oh, why don't you just tell us who you are, what your name is and what you do and where you come from? Uh, my name is Katrina Norris Carter. I uh, live in Birmingham, Alabama, but I am a daughter of Selma, Alabama, born and raised there. Katrina grew up in a working-class Black neighborhood in Selma. And like Gabe and like Anna, she also grew up next to industry. Her house was right across the street from a factory. And every now and then, once a week or so, you would just get these odors. It would just be this smell. But after you've been there for so long, it's like anything else, it just becomes normal. That's just the way that it is. You don't realize that this is something 40 years from now that's going to kill you. As a teenager, Katrina went to summer camps where she saw Rosa Parks speak and she met John Lewis. What she learned in summer camp about activism and civil rights, that shaped Katrina's worldview. When we know better, we should do better. Each one should teach one. And if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So you, I think it's, it's absolutely correct that not only do we need to be at the table, but we need to be making demands and be willing to force the issue. So as Katrina grows up and gets involved in activism, that's kind of what's on her mind. She mentors kids and educates them the way that she was educated. But Katrina also believes that effective activism costs money. And so you've got to figure out a way to pay for it. And I do business with corporations, which some activists won't. I don't want money from Coca-Cola. And I'm like, I will take all of their money. Because you know what? That money allows me to take two buses to D.C. for the March on Washington and not charge them a dime. She uses this corporate money and her large web of connections to launch her own consulting company where she becomes something like a community organizer for hire. And then one day in early 2014, Katrina gets an email from a consulting company called SEC Engineering. Hey, we've got this community outreach. EPA is coming in. They're going to be having these meetings. We want you to go in, find out what this community wants, because we want to be kind of at the forefront of rebuilding. Or if they don't want to be in this community, they want to move, we want to know that too. Just kind of do a temperature check. Katrina says, sure. She gets $2,500 a month and spends about a year going to community meetings and talking to residents. Literally the door knocking. Asking them questions. Like, hey, tell me what you think. Just kind of to sit with them and say, in a perfect world, you know, what do you want? Do they want the EPA to add their neighborhood to a list of the most toxic places in the U.S.? How do they feel about pollution in their community? Would you rather just move, you know, get a check and start over? Or do you want to stay in this community? Do they even want to have their soil tested? And so she writes these reports on what residents tell her and sends those reports back to the guys who hired her, SEC Engineering. About a year later, the company asks her to come to a lunch meeting. It was one of those, um, we're going to be having lunch in the office, come back. 
All this time, Katrina thought that she was working for one company, but when she gets to the office, she sees sitting at the table the people that she works for and David Roberson. And suddenly she understands that she's actually been gathering intel for Drummond. Did you ever feel like they wanted to use your connections and your reputation and your background for their own gain? Not at the time. Mm-mm. In hindsight? Now, of course, in hindsight, if I was a guessing woman, maybe, definitely. <laughs> in hindsight, maybe. The project winds down and Katrina moves on to other things. And then a few months later... Did a doorbell ring and it's... You know, it's a cute little petite, I think she might have been redhead and, you know, insurance looking. I'm like, shit, are they Jehovah's Witness? What's going on? You know, what? in the middle of the day, and I go to the door and they say, you know, I'm agent such and such and agent such and such. And it's like, ooh, whoa, okay. Katrina welcomes the FBI agents into her house. They go, well, we're looking into some things that happened in North Birmingham and Tarrant. We understand that you've done some community work there. They talk for about an hour, and Katrina explains everything that she did for the consulting company and Drummond. I don't know what everyone else has done, but I, I, I felt okay, and I still do. I felt okay talking to them, talking to you. Um, I want people to know. And then, a few months later, Katrina sees on the news. Today, the United States announces a six-count indictment against David Roberson of Drummond Company and Joel Gilbert and Stephen McKinney of the Bulch and Bingham Law Firm. So by this point, Oliver Robinson has pleaded guilty to the bribery scheme. And now David Roberson and Drummond's lawyers are being charged. I felt naive. I felt... Like, okay, Katrina, this is what your folks be talking about with dealing with big companies. So, you know, that's one of the lessons that I've learned, sometimes the hard way. Count one is conspiracy to commit bribery of a public official. Two is the bribery. Count three, four, and five are honest services wire fraud. Six is the money laundering conspiracy. Soon. Everyone in town starts to learn about the case. Minutes ago, the prosecution wrapped opening statements in a federal corruption trial involving bribery and a former Alabama lawmaker. It all started when the Environmental Protection Agency found elevated levels of arsenic, lead, and other contaminants during soil testing in several North Birmingham neighborhoods. A vice president for the company which owns ABC Coke and two lawyers are in court. They're accused of paying off a former lawmaker, Oliver Robinson. My name is Kyle Whitmire. I'm a political columnist at the Alabama Media Group. Kyle is the guy who brought a lot of these details to light, including writing the articles in the Birmingham News that made Gabe so angry. For four weeks of the trial, Kyle took notes. He says that he would often notice people who looked like lawyers suited up in the back of the courtroom. They would not tell me who their clients were, who came in every day, sat there and took notes. Drummond and their law firm are politically connected. They were the second and the third largest donors to former Attorney General and former Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions' Senate campaign. There were lots of other parties interested in this case and connected to this case that 
we're lawyered up and, and, and we're paying attention to it because they thought that they could be maybe hit next. The federal prosecutor lays out this case, how David and Drummond's law firm orchestrated a fake grassroots campaign to stop the EPA in Tarrant and North Birmingham. The plan started with letters. Drummond's law firm wrote identical letters for local leaders to send to the EPA. The school superintendent in Tarrant sent a letter. Alabama's attorney general sent a letter. Alabama's governor, the state's two senators, Jeff Sessions and Richard Shelby, both sent letters. Oliver Robinson sent a letter. All of that is legal. The only illegal part was that Oliver Robinson got paid to do it, to use his political power to benefit a coal company. David Roberson is, of course, in court, too. He's the only person from Drummond who was charged in this case, and he's sitting at the defense table. And her credit, my beautiful wife, sitting there with me every day of the four weeks. David's on paid leave from his job. He's been told by Drummond that they support him, and the company is paying for his lawyer. Well, the jury is debating the fates of these two men. Attorney Joel Gilbert and Drummond VP David Robertson are on trial for bribery. The jury finds David and Joel Gilbert, the lawyer for Balchin Bingham, guilty. They're sentenced to two years in prison. Drummond responds with a statement. We are disappointed by the jury's decision to convict our employee, David Roberson. While we respect the judicial process, we consider David to be a man of integrity who would not knowingly engage in wrongdoing. David and Joel both appeal their convictions. This is in 2018, but Oliver Robinson had pled guilty long before this trial. Oliver, a black politician, is the only person involved who's gone to prison so far. David will later claim in a lawsuit that it wasn't until the trial that he even saw the contract that Drummond's law firm had with Oliver, and that he didn't know that the payments that he'd made to Oliver's nonprofit were illegal. From morning till dark, um, I just heard a lot of stuff that I had no idea. David claims that since he was being asked to do it by Drummond's general counsel, it was all above board. I felt betrayed. That's the only thing I can say. I felt sad. After he's convicted, Drummond fires him. When they let me come back in to get my stuff, then I started noticing stuff missing. Receipts and files about payments to Oliver Robinson and how the whole plan was financed. The bank checkbooks and all that. I locked in my office. It was all gone. Nobody told me who got them. He claims that personal things disappeared, too, like his letter of hire from Gary Drummond. It was something that I sort of treasured because Mr. Drummond was the one that signed the letter. We asked Drummond specifically about these allegations, but they did not respond to David's accusations. David and Anna sued Drummond for $75 million. They allege that Drummond gave David bad legal advice and the company broke multiple promises it made to him. David and Anna sell their house. They leave Birmingham. They lose a lot of friends, and they feel like pariahs. It was obvious he was hung out to dry, and he was cut loose. I mean, I still have friends at Drummond that contact me, and they'll say, David, everybody that I've worked with knows that this was not something that you should have had to go through. 
I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty horrible. I mean, we have been destroyed. Emotionally, physically, financially. But Kyle, the journalist, isn't convinced that David was completely in the dark. It's impossible to see all that taken together and not be able to assume that David Robertson knew what he was doing. After the trial, the EPA mostly pulls out of Tarrant. They stop looking into pollution. They stop asking to test soil. David Robertson lost. Oliver Robinson lost. Everything else is exactly where it was supposed to be, according to this plan. Drummond Company got what it wanted out of this. Did you learn anything from all of this? I try not to be cynical, and I learned that my cynicism is not always misplaced. That there are very powerful people who will pay politicians for their souls and sell out their constituents. It doesn't stop. But um, no matter what happens, I'm very glad that people in Alabama got to see how the system really works. Drummond benefited from that system. They benefited from the ways that redlining and pollution and racism overlap. It's true that being declared a Superfund site could have made home prices in Tarrant sink even lower. It's also true that the company and its law firm successfully fed into people's fears about their houses becoming worthless and used that fear to its own advantage. But the question that's never been answered is how has living next to a Coke plant affected residents' health? And we will never know, because most of the soil tests to measure pollution in Tarrant were never done. In 2018, three months after the trial, Drummond's Coke plant, ABC Coke, the one that's next to Gabe's house, has to request a new permit for air emissions, basically the agreement about how much pollution it can release into the air. And the county holds a public meeting where the residents can talk about how the plant affects them. And so Gabe decides to go. I think there were about uh, 50 people were there, 50 or so, maybe a little bit less. You were only given, I believe, one minute, one, two minutes to speak. Gabe hasn't prepared to talk, but as he listens to one person after the next, he starts typing notes into his phone. This is what I said, verbatim. Uh, Buenas noches, good evening, let's see here. I didn't prepare anything necessarily before this, but I did put something down quickly on my phone. I actually said that, oh my God. Gabe tells the crowd what he told us. He's lived in Tarrant his whole life, a mile away from the coke plant. And I've seen the smoke and the fire and the ash from the factory every single day. And I know not to spend too much time outside because the smell comes in. He talks about how some days it smells of rotten eggs. 
It's everywhere, and it's inescapable. People tell me that ABC Coke is good for the community of Tarrant. They say that it's a good economic source, but I wouldn't say so. When I was younger, there used to be a food giant. There used to be a Wells Fargo back in town not long ago. When I was younger, there used to be a thrift store. When I was older, I said, hey, I'll go to the thrift store. And I'm now 18, and there's no thrift store. I don't know what happened. Well, I know I really can't do anything, but I hope that if I come to this hearing, I can make my comments heard, and I appreciate having the opportunity to do so. After the meeting, the county health department sends a response to everyone who attended. Despite concerns from people who live nearby, the Jefferson County Health Department says ABC Coke is in compliance. A few months later in 2019, the EPA fines Drummond almost $800,000 for consistently underreporting how much toxic benzene the plant was leaking into the air. Toxic benzene is a carcinogen. It's been linked to leukemia. Gabe had promised himself he would get out of Tarrant, and he did. He graduated from high school, and he goes to college in northern Alabama. He's studying computer science. And one of the things that is helping him do it is a $10,000 scholarship from Drummond, the first they've ever given in Tarrant. Speaking about this, I am worried that they might they may rescind my scholarship. But the truth is, I still think I still think it's worth a risk because I I don't want to I don't want to give up my beliefs. I don't want to give up my voice for some money, even if it is scholarship money. That doesn't feel right. At the end of the interview, we asked Gabe, has he heard anything about Drummond's business in Colombia? I heard, again, a rumor, that uh, that those union leaders have disappeared. And some people say that Drummond hired mercenaries to take them out. That sounds very conspiratorial and a little extreme, so I don't know if that's true or not, but um, it just felt kind of weird, like, what is this company doing down there in Colombia? The answer is in our next episode. You have told us that at this meeting there was a discussion of the problems with the, the Drummond Union. Is that correct? Pero usted sí nos ha dicho que en esta reunión hubo una conversación sobre los problemas con el sindicato de Drummond, ¿no es cierto? Sí, claro. Yes, of course. Was there any outcome of the meeting? ¿Hubo algún resultado de la reunión? Bueno, los resultados resaltan a la vista. Casi todo el gremio sindical fue asesinado. Well, you know, the results are self-evident. You know, almost the entire leadership of the union was murdered. That's next. The Crisis is a production of Vice News. It's hosted by me, Ser Quevedo, Ramon Campos, and Agnes Walton. It's produced by me and Ashley Cleek, who is our senior producer. Reporting by Ramon Campos, Agnes Walton, me, and Ashley Cleek. Adriana Tapia is also our producer. Adriana Rodriguez is our associate producer. And thanks to Jesse Alejandro Catro for additional production support. Sound design by Ben Cruz Kaya. Original scoring 
also by Ben Kruskaya, with additional music from Dominica Records and Bogota, Colombia. Translation and editorial consulting by Diego Salazar. Annie Aviles is our executive producer. Kate Osborne is the VP of Vice Audio. Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Production coordination from Stephanie Brown. Special thanks to Maximo Anderson and Jeff Pierre for fact-checking. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.